Greetings and welcome to Let's Talk About Books, baby, where we talk with your favorite LGBTQ plus authors. I'm Anita Kelly and my guest today is the, I'm going to say, notorious Allie Valley. Hello, Allie. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> it's going okay. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Good. Working home trying to put some books together <laughs> yeah 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 so well let's talk about some books okay all right all right so um you know i was i was checking out your uh book output for 2023 and <laughs> <laughs> and uh you have two novels and uh is it a novella or a short story um that you also have, uh, I think. Is Let's it see. I think that one came out in twenty two. I did have one. It's uh, on the rocks. On the rocks, I, yeah. Like, I should have saved those characters for a longer book. <laughs> well, we might have to revisit them. I yeah, guess. you definitely can. <laughs> you definitely can because they were they were awesome. Yeah, um, no, they they were. Uh, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> Okay, this is bourbon. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> it, it would be a fun book to write then. Exactly. Yeah. Think of the research. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. That would uh, that would be fun. So There's very so, little in life that you can't fix with a good old fashioned. <laughs> <laughs> is that your drink of choice? It is. Uh, I love a good old fashioned. All right. So, so you had uh, that uh, novella or short story on the rocks, um, mm -hmm. and then you had um, "Never Kiss a Cowgirl," right? Yeah, that definitely came out this year. And then uh, day after tomorrow, the new one comes out. It's um, going to be "Rivals for Love," rivals, which I'm excited about that one. I. I plan, hopefully, if people enjoy it, uh, it'll be a series, kind of a more family, kind of like the Kane Casey, which which is kind of, to me, family-driven, but this one will be family-driven as well. It's, um, but no murder. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You might want to murder some of the characters, but there's no death. Oh, so not every family has death and murder. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah. tell us about, uh, is it Rivals in Love or Rivals for Love? For Love. For Love. Yeah, this one is, um, so the two main characters are Brooks and Fallon, okay. and uh, they were high school and college sweethearts until one day Brooks disappears and never answers another call, doesn't answer a letter, never gets in touch again, and it really breaks Fallon's heart. She never understands why. So if you, we go forward in time a little bit, Brooks is now living in New York. She is a partner in a hedge fund. She's become very successful, but her mother calls, and they have a family emergency in the sense that their father, the family business is a seafood processing kind of enterprise uh which they have plenty of in south louisiana uh they clean shrimp oysters so usually if you're even no matter where you're sitting in new york or chicago um sometimes when you order shrimp or fish that's where it's coming from it's coming from south louisiana hmm. so that is their business uh, their business is going down the tubes because her father who 
is, you know, they have a very complicated relationship, um, is the reason that she left home and never got in touch with anyone again. Uh, but the father now has Alzheimer's. So she has to come home. But when she comes home, she finds that she has a rival for love and it uh, for Fallon, and it's someone in her family. So, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I I have to tell you, uh, even though the the it has not been released yet, the release date is this week. I have read it and I loved it. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I got a sneak preview, and it was really awesome. And, oh, thank you. Yeah, and listeners, you know, I I really recommend it. Um, you know, it was a, it was a great read, uh, a really great story, and I can see why you would you know want to make that into a series. Um, definitely, definitely. Yeah. No, I mean, even though Brooks and Fallon are the when I started writing this book, I um, I actually it birthed one of my favorite characters I think that I've ever ever come out of my crazy little brain uh and uh and gia giordano uh angelo giordano's daughter and uh abria i mean and she is just i think that the next book will be about her okay she's fantastic and she's she's tiny but mighty (laughs) and it's so how about that that's great so she is one of your favorite characters huh she really is. It's like, I just, I, I don't know. I started writing it and I, I wanted to put a twist on it. And that's one of the things I like to do since mo- most of my stories taking place in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. New Orleans sometimes feels like a, a very small, big town. Yeah. And uh, so if you know, you know, you have a tendency to know a lot of people, even though, you know, a million people live in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So you'll see a lot of, cross hatching in, in the book so that you'll find characters for from one that you'll find in another book and it's easy to do and it's something that I you know like doing. I'm writing uh the sequel to um a, a woman to treasure right now and actually that is one one of the cases. It's a good way to kind of vi- revisit some of the characters I've written in some of the books that people have enjoyed. So you can go back and kind of see how they're doing. Yeah. That is really yeah. fun. Yeah, so it's kind of a Easter egg kind of thing. Sometimes you'll find uh, some of the characters from some of the other books and in, in these books, and they're not—they don't have a starring role or anything. But if uh, Miss Giordano is going to be the next uh, kind of protagonist in the next book, you probably will see some people that you recognize, like Kane and Shelby and some of the other characters. But... How about that? That is great. <laughs> so. Um, what makes Bria your, one of your favorite characters? I think it's just the, um, I enjoy, you know, smart, sarcastic women and it's, I I really pinned her that way. Mm -hmm. And I think she just, like I said, she's not very big, um, but she knows what she wants. She's not afraid to go and get it. Of course, she has a big safety net in the fact that her father is the head of the East Coast mob. Awesome. Yeah, that always helps a little, oh, no. a little power behind you. <laughs> yeah, but she really does care for Brooks in this book. And she is the one that kind of, I mean, it wasn't just Fallon whose heart was broken. When you figure out why the reason that Brooks had to leave, um, Brooks left and she was also very heartbroken. 
but had to was all alone where she left, you know, Fallon in a place where her family, her friends uh, can kind of he heal her back to, to health as far as her love life. Uh, Brooks had to go through it alone. So Bria and the Giordano family adopted her. So it, it's a, it's part of her family. So she's not a huge, I mean, she's part of this book and I think she's an important part of this book, but She's just not the main character, but I think she'll make a great, I just need to figure out who the love interest will be, but I think the next book will be about her. Cool. Very cool. Well, I can't <laughs> wait for that. Um, so what, what do you like about Brooks and Fallon? I liked Brooks and Fallon because I, I like that second chance kind of romance story. Okay. Um, you know, they're both kind of, not perfect characters. They're both flawed in their own individual ways. Um, but it's a good, it's a good way. It's kind of a good journey as far as from broken to uh, finding love again, finding a way to make a future and kind of getting back on track on something that they had planned when they were in college. I mean, their, their plan for college was a happily ever after. I mean, you can't write a romance unless, mm -hmm. unless it has that. So <laughs> just kidding. You know, I yeah, gave that... away the <laughs> but you do want where you know they they have but I think in this case it's I mean there's a million second chance romances out there but I was hoping that this one had a bit of a twist in that why it broke and why they came back together I mean it's um uh, not that Alzheimer's fascinates me, but mm -hmm. a couple of my friends now, you know, you get to that point where you're in high school and everybody's having a great time and you're doing a lot of underage drinking and, <laughs> and then you go to college and then you get to a point and I've already been through this where you become the caretaker, you know, it's not, yeah. you reverse that, that relationship with your parents yep. and you end up being, um, you know, going to all the doctor's appointments and stuff. Yep. So I've lost both my parents, you know, thankfully it wasn't uh, from Alzheimer's. I mean, I think that is just a very cruel disease. Yeah, it is. But some of my friends are going through that now. Okay. And it's like, what do you do with this person? Because, um, you know, <laughs> the South has a lot of Catholics and Catholics know how to lay on the guilt. Mm -hmm. But and you can't physically take care of someone anymore and you have to put them in a facility or do you keep them at home and have to hire some money? So it's like just listening to some of those. I thought that one might be a kind of a, not a, you know, great storyline, but it's an interesting storyline because I think a lot of people in my age bracket anyway uh, are facing that right now. So it's kind of a reality that uh, more than one of my friends is dealing with at the moment. So yeah, that's where that was born. Yeah. And unfortunately I think, you know, you get to uh, a point in your life where you, you know, you become the sandwich generation where you're taking care of not only your parents, but maybe um, kids or grandkids too, you know? So um, you know, you get a lot of, a lot of people have uh, a lot on their plate, you know, um, when he gets yeah no that's what I, when I was 19 I said I didn't want to have kids <laughs> I love kids so I just didn't want any yeah oh I hear I'm you not 19 and I was right yeah <laughs> <laughs> on the cool land you know I have more than uh that are not related to me in any way shape or form but they you know call for advice and they you know 
call for money. I'm not sure why that, how that happened, but, <laughs> but um, no, it's like I said, it's one of those things where, and in my case, it was a little different because my parents, um, I was trying to explain that to somebody the other day. It's like, I speak Spanish. I, I speak Spanish fluently and, you know, enough to be able to, you know, volunteer for the domestic violence program. Mm-hmm. So if it's a, a Hispanic, now for some reason, the court won't give you a translator. So I go and volunteer and oh, uh, so nice. I speak, yeah, I speak, I speak conversational Spanish. Okay. And I'm not like technical terms, uh, the legal terms I've learned. Cause I, like I said, I'm in court more, more often than not with some of these, uh, when it's court dates and I'll spend like two or three days. And thankfully I have a job since we fund the domestic violence program and I'm able to do that. Oh, good. But, um, when my mom, my mom was diagnosed with, uh, pancreatic cancer, mm. the first thing she was diagnosed with before she died of pancreatic cancer was breast cancer. And then so we went to the doctor and then they spoke conversational English. So, cause English was their second language. Mm-hmm. Um, it, well, it was mine too, but at least I, when I was five, when I got here, so I kind of lost the accent along the way. But when you're sitting there and they're talking about like radical cells and all this other stuff, I don't know how to say that in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How does that yeah. translate? So, yeah. So it was like, what the hell? So uh, thankfully I found an oncologist who actually was Hispanic. So it was, it made it a lot easier, but I still went to every appointment to listen to, you know, the explanations of what was going on and everything. Yeah. So it did take a huge amount of time and I'd do it all again. I mean, if I could get them back. Yeah. um, Yeah. No, they died. And like I said, they both passed away and it was very sad, but yeah. They're not, you know, pain. I don't know if you've ever been through pancreatic cancer, but it's not a picnic. Yeah, no, it's it's not. It's definitely not. It's a it's a rough rough road. Um, I know that. Um, yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear about your parents, and you know, it's it's something that I think as an adult, uh, you have never, you were never taught to. Yeah. You know, they're, they were always there. Right. And then when they're not, you know, it's like, I, I still find myself thinking, ah, I, I, I got to tell my dad that. And it's like, oh, wait, I can't do that. That's, you know? Yeah. Or was, uh, yeah. My dad was one of these guys that could fix anything. He always had a solution somewhere or the other. Yeah. But my mom was the kind of person you wanted to sit next to like at a, at a wedding. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> it was very sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> You know, oh, one of those people that if you didn't, uh, you didn't have anything nice to say, he'd sit next to me kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I miss her, her humor and her, she was just one of those people that she was, well, the one good thing about her was she was a great storyteller. Yeah. That's one of the things I really miss about her. I mean. Well, uh, you know, Allie. I kind of think that you're a bit of a storyteller yourself. Um, I, I, I kind of, uh, you know, get the impression that you're like this natural born storyteller. Um, well, I think I inherited that a little bit from my parents. Um, you know, they, they, it was quite a, <laughs> my brother was kind of a, a bullshit. <laughs> he was a storyteller. 
So he would tell people we actually rode here on a, in a bathtub from Cuba. And it's, <laughs> that is not what happened. <laughs> did people believe him? I think they did. <laughs> like, you know, oh, my God. So, But my mother was just, just, you know, she had all these great stories and especially how, you know, when we got here and what happened. And I was young. I mean, it was like I said, we had an interesting relationship with our parents because they um english is very learn hard to learn how to speak mm-hmm. when you're past six okay and then, so they always spoke with an accent and my brother and i actually went we we got here on august 13th of 1968 okay and we started school in september and um so i actually failed the first grade <laughs> it's like it wasn't until like Later on in the year, it was like, oh, that's what you were saying. <laughs> it was actually a nun from uh, Guatemala who we would sit with after school. Aww. And eventually we learned how to speak English. So we were like, you know, 10 and we would go, we bought cars, we bought a house. We bought... Yeah, it's not what a normal yeah. little kid would do. Yeah. He was like, you know, and they, they could never help us with our homework and that kind of thing. But as they progress, you know, they learn how to read and write and mm-hmm. speak in English. They they never spoke without an accent, but mm-hmm. they did speak uh, English. And we were lucky. My dad was a machinist, so he spoke. Uh, you, know, you just have to learn how to speak math and you can become a machinist. You don't have to really communicate with anybody. Yeah. Yeah. But he just. So when we got here, it was and it was, you know, when my mom got sick and we I went to like every chemo treatment and everything. And it, we would sit and she reminisced about all those old stories. And it was just, <laughs> it was actually pretty nice, you know, oh. kind of fresher as far as, you know, how we got here and those how are... that happened and everything that happened after. But um, those are so great stories. Sad, it's just one of those things that if you, even though I do love to tell stories, mm-hmm. I love to listen to stories as well, because so- I think if you give anyone the opportunity they will tell you their story some are a little bit more interesting than others but you're so right you're so right they definitely will yeah um and and i wonder do you take some of your mom's stories and incorporate them into into what you write yeah actually you know i was talking to mj williams um when we were in p-town a couple weeks ago Uh uh-huh he was telling me he said and you guys didn't get arrested huh yeah (laughs) (laughs) Now, him and uh, Gene Copeland were telling me, they were like, oh, my God. You know, because I told them some stories about my mom. Because my mom was hilarious. And they were like, oh, my God, you got to write a book about this woman. And I said, I, I've, I've incorporated some of them into, you know, just kind of tweaked them a little bit to, to make them fit the story. But she was, and I said, you know, if I could figure out a good way to tell a fictionalized story of everything that happened to us when we we're here, I would definitely do. And I think it's, um, it's one of those things, you know, when the, when I wrote the inheritance, it was actually my, um, it was just my mom and dad, my brother and I, mm-hmm. and my brother passed away about six years ago. So after he passed away and it was like, I was thinking like, how do you deal with all this grief? Well, let's write a book about it. So I wrote a kind of a fictionalized story of his life. Mm. And um, so, no, he did not have an illegitimate baby. <laughs> but that's, I thought it's okay he, if he did. Yeah, no, if he knew him, he would probably, wherever he is now, he'd probably done <laughs> about it. So I figured he would like it. 
So it was a good way to deal with grief, but through a lot of humor, because yeah. I try to put as much humor as I could. I mean, I, I, I even had to laugh in the editing process because I figured the easiest way to write the death scene was just to write what happened. Yeah. And they were like, well, I don't know. This doesn't seem it's like, oh, no, lady. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what happened. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. How about that? Yeah, so it was the easiest way to do that, but... No, that that story was just it was fun to write. And, I, you know, like I said, sometimes I would love to go back and revisit some of these people. Mm-hmm. And then so I think I just figured out how to do it. <laughs> so I'm writing moments to treasure instead of a woman to treasure. And um, so if y'all if, if everybody remembers uh, second season, which I wrote right after Katrina, Katrina has been quite a few years ago. Yeah. Um, Tully had two children, so you're going to see um, the reemergence of Bailey oh, wow. uh, Bado in this in this book. So. How about that? Wow! So you're just yeah. pulling all these people together. <laughs> so, like I said, it, I think I was looking for something that you know I needed a kind of a partner in crime kind of thing. And it was like, oh gosh, yeah, that would be a good way to to do that. So, uh, oh, oh, Bailey's coming back. All right, and and when can we expect to see moments to treasure? Uh, that will come out next year. I'm writing it right now, and it'll go um, into the editing process probably in the spring of next year. So you'll probably see that one at the very end of next year. Okay. Um, the begin like kind of toward the middle. Well, beginning, middle of the of next year will be um, the new uh, devil. The devil, you know, All will right. come out next year. So I think that's the eighth book in the chronological chronological order of those books, and then nine if you consider the prequel um, part of the devil. So wow! And so, what is Casey Kane up to in the devil? You know, he is now got a lot of kids at home. Oh boy. Um, She's got a Russian problem. <laughs> so it's, um, you know, still, but it's starting kind of to gel, but she's still her cousin and her new partner who are getting married. Um, you know, I introduced, cause I really was going to kind of start to wind it down. And then I introduced the Russian mob into the story. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably going to take like another three or four books. <laughs> to get that. So, It'll be, um, I mean, it was really supposed to be the two books. So I, you know, no one is more humble than me than people who really love that character and wanted more of her. And so it's been a couple of years, I guess, since I wrote the last one. Okay. It's it's very hard to write those books because they have so many characters. They have so many, um, you know, I had, a, I had an editor for a little while who she was like, we just really need the two points of view the two main characters we don't need anyone else's uh okay (laughs) well this next book should be interesting (laughs) 5200 points of view in it (laughs) oh my word all of them so so yeah no it's um it's a very you know you got to really keep that timeline going as far as the storyline is concerned that you don't miss anything because there is a lot of Balls in the air, I guess. Okay. Uh, going on. So, but, if I uh, recall, wasn't wasn't this uh, the original book 
didn't they break the that original, down in the, the three book? Printed, but not the original one that I wrote. The original one that the first one that I ever wrote was Carly Sound, and I turned that one in, and then um, it needed some editing. It needed a lot. That needed a lot of editing. And then so um, when I talked to Rad, she said, well, do you have anything else? And I, I had actually worked on this story for probably two, at least three or four years. I started writing it. I would put it down and then I'd go back and reread it. And I, I just love the genre of the crime family, mm -hmm. you know, the organized. I don't ever know why they call it organized crime, but I guess they're. <laughs> as opposed to un unorganized like <laughs> they got their act together i guess <laughs> but it's it's just such an interesting thing to me and it's you know if you've ever read not just watched the movies but actually read the godfather oh yeah i read that uh, as a you know, kid but yeah i mean i read it i have the one of the original um first printing of it that i of somebody gave me like years and years ago but it's the book is actually the first two movies, which were the best. And they it's just a such a compelling. I don't know. There's just something about it. And then, like I said, to me, I, I read a lot and I just never found anything that kind of really covered all that. Yeah. So I said, well, I'm going to write a story. And then I really just wrote it for me because I, I liked it. And then so I finally finished. I would put it down and I'd write it. And it was like, oh, well, let's add a little bit to it. And then so finally I finished it. I think we had we had gone to the beach and I finished it. And then so I said, well, you know, I just finished writing this book. And but it was like 800 pages long. That's what I thought. That's <laughs> what I remember. Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> so that's where the. We just cut in the middle, so that's where the devil inside and the devil unleashed came from. Okay, and it was supposed to be those two. Um, and like I said, you know, I've said this before. Carolyn was like, "No one is going to read that because it's <laughs> island." And I was like, "Well, I mean, like I said, I, I wrote it for me. I mean, hopefully somebody will like it." And then, so like I said, eight books later, yeah, I, I think guess, somebody liked it. <laughs> <laughs> people have liked it, so. Yeah, no, it's always fun to to revisit Kane. Kane is a good stress reliever. It's how you wish you can handle problems sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Today I've been dealing with difficult people, so it'd be nice to it's like, okay, are you gonna do? I'm oh, just gonna turn this machine on. We're just gonna feed you right through it. <laughs> the, the, the Casey Kane school of how to de deal with difficult exactly. people. How to deal with problems, but. No, it's one of those things where it's just not, um, like I said, I would have thought by now people, and so it's been a while since, you know, I went to GCLS this year and mm -hmm. talked to a bunch of people and I went to P-Town and that's usually the question that comes up. It's like, when is the next devil going to come up? And it's like, so, like I said, it's uh, like that old Saturday Night Live, live uh, skit they used to do a long time about baseball. And it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> very good to me. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so do you think, is is that the the novel or the series that you've received the most positive feedback about, like from readers? Um, or there, is there something else that you think? Uh, you know, one of the ones that... Um, I still get emails about, and it, it depends on which side of that spectrum you're on, is uh, Carly Sound, actually. 
I can I mean, believe that. that. Of, yeah, gotten a lot of feedback, whether you're going through cancer or you've lost a partner to cancer or someone that you love to cancer. And it's, um, I mean, the reason that I wrote it was because, you know, my partner at the time was going through cancer and chemo and everything else. And it's not, it's not an easy thing to do because you always have to be upbeat. You know, you yeah. can't go into the hospital room and just sob. It's, yeah. It doesn't go over well. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. So you do have to be upbeat and you have to be, you know, a rock as far as that they can lean on and, you know, try to find some humor that will kind of brighten them up a little bit because chemotherapy sometimes is just a real bitch. But um, no, I remember, you know, Carol went through surgery and we, we were sitting in the in the hospital room at like two. She was in the hospital for about three weeks, I guess. And it was um, and then for some reason, I'm not sure why all the nurses would come in in the middle of the night and discuss all of their problems. And it's like, you know, we have enough problems. <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> but, you know, we gave a lot of life advice, I guess. But yeah. um, no, one night she said, you know, I just never really planned for this. And it's like, well, who the hell does? Well, I think uh, this year I'll have cancer and I'll just go ahead and get that out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't have to worry about it anymore. It's not how it works. but Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, so in our case, it was... Um, so like I said, it's like my brother passed away. Um, I think it was the devil be damned uh, was when my mom was in the hospital, actually, and she was passing away. So it's a good way, you know, to write it onto the page. Um, yeah. And I and I think that was one that it was like, I don't read reviews that often, mm -hmm. but I happened to be, I was looking up something because I needed like the number of the you know, on Amazon of the actual book because mm -hmm. I had to write because, you know, of course, all these people, you write a book and then some people want to steal it. So I was looking that up and I happened to see they had a new review and I, and I think it was The Devil Be Damned. So I was in the hospital trying to finish it and my mom is in the hospital because she's dying. Yeah. So I was like, you wrote this, but it's, you seem very distracted. <laughs> I'm so glad you picked up on that. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> actually wrote that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, I give them credit. They didn't know that I was in the hospital. Yeah, but still, wow, uh, that's uh, that's pretty insightful of somebody. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, well, I'm glad you noticed that. So it's like that is how I deal with grief. You know, yeah. it's like it's, uh, you know, it's I, cathartic I know to, to write it to out. It, right? it, it is very cathartic to put it on the page, not to get rid of the stuff. But eventually you get to a point where you could just think of the funny stuff that happened and not yeah, it gets, you know, it gets better. Does, it does. You doesn't know, time ever, is, yeah. It doesn't yeah. ever go away, but it does get better. Yeah. No, time is the best healer. I it think. sure is. Yeah. And, and I got to Carly sound. <clears throat> um, that was, that was where you wrote that like a while Ooh, ago. Years ago, probably yeah. 25, 26 years ago. And, and that's, uh, that's still, I think, one of the, one of my favorite books. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, it was um, like I said. That one is really the only one. I don't really plan anything. Um, I'm a pantser, and so I just start writing. I, that surprises like, me, Allie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't really. Um, 
take a turn. And then sometimes, you know, you the, the you get handed these gifts. Um, so I'm writing um the 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 treasure hunter book right now. Mm-hmm. So I started it and I was trying to figure out like, you know, how do I get back into this? Do they find something else that they gotta hunt down? And then there was a huge earthquake in America. <laughs> it's like I feel horrible for those people, but it was great for me. <laughs> ah, there you like, go. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, now if you remember that old, um, when Angelina Jolie was uh, Tomb Raider. Yeah, yeah, yep. They had the big earthquake. Yes, and, uh, yes. It's kind of like the same thing, since uh-huh. they're going back there, uh, you know, to, to visit and to do some stuff in Marrakesh, since that's where Yasmin is from. Um, it was like when I saw the news at first, you know, I said, sometimes crap happens to you. You're like, hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. uh, it was quite a few years ago, and I'm trying to think of which devil book I put that in. But um, we were, and I was telling, you know, I was telling them, I said, this year, for some reason, we had a huge, bad but love bug season. I don't know, across America, if people have love bugs. I mean, in South Louisiana, these things are a menace. You I do know, not know what a love bug is, actually. Yeah, they you have to look it up. They're these little bl- black bugs. They don't bite or anything. They don't they call them love bugs because they're attached at the butt. <laughs> they're attached to each other? They're attached to each other. Oh my. And they they're able to fly. I guess one of them navigates, but they both flap their wings. And they're they're minuscule. They're not even a fourth of an inch big. They're oh. these tiny little black bugs, like a little bit smaller than a fly. Like I a see fly. them, yeah. And you, uh, and they like to hang out on the highway so that when you drive through them, it sounds like it's raining, but it's not. Their little bodies are eating your paint as they. Are you serious? Die on your, yes. Because once they, you hit them going 90 miles an hour, they just get all over the paint and it's just a real hard thing to do to get them off. So the windshield now, I just bought one of those little paint scrapers. So I go out there and scrape my windshield. Oh my but goodness. no, these love bugs are just a pain in the butt. And it's like, well, <laughs> we end up. Um, so like I said, it's one of those things that you sit there. So as I'm scrubbing my car down, I start to come up with different ideas <laughs> about like what the hell to do. In some of these things, but um, I'm trying to think why I brought up love bugs. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> trying to figure out what the uh, I think we were just talking about things that happen in life and how you can incorporate them into, yeah, into your so no, story. In these cases, these stupid little bugs are just... Um, so, so we were talking about them at, the, uh, at, at P-Town. Okay. And somebody was asking me, and I was like, well... I said, you know, it's stuff that happens in South Louisiana that doesn't happen. Because I'd mentioned love bugs, and everybody's like, well, what the hell is that? Yeah. And it's like, so stuff that happens here doesn't necessarily happen anywhere else. No, it doesn't. So, yeah. yeah. And I said, sometimes it's fun facts that you could put in books, and you don't necessarily know. uh uh-huh. teach somebody something. But some of the people that I've met in life, and like I said, if you give people the opportunity to tell you their story, it's kind of interesting. So Kane Casey actually is based loosely uh-huh <laughs> use air quotes on that one um on a real person uh-huh. um he's not female uh he was male 
but he owned a restaurant in New Orleans and uh, the job that I had, I got to meet him and he was a fascinating guy. He traveled around with guards during the day, different guards at night. And he was allegedly in the mob. So he was, he was a chef. He wasn't, uh, you know, didn't, I'm not really sure why a chef needed bodyguards. Yeah, that's a little unusual, (laughs) unless he was trying to keep his kitchen secrets really close to home, you know? (laughs) So so like a love bug uh, that only obviously exists in Southeast. Yeah. (laughs) No one ever ever heard of these things. No. Um, In this case, um, you know, because people come to South Louisiana to travel mm-hmm. and they go and it's like we've always been known, especially New Orleans, has always been known for their food. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a foodie, New Orleans is a place for you. Uh, but unfortunately, sometimes you go to these places and they're real touristy. And it's like so in this book, you kind of get a little uh, in Rivals for Love, you get a little bit of uh, Louisiana history as far as like food in this inside. You know, one of the lessons is and uh one of the people in the audience that was, they actually lived somewhere in Massachusetts, but they're actually from South Louisiana. And I said, oh. you know, gumbo should never, ever, not ever be read. Yes. I remember that. I remember yes. that. And it is not. So if you go to a restaurant, you come here and you go to a restaurant and they serve you gumbo and it's, it's, got, it's got tomatoes in it. Leave. and <laughs> <laughs> Leave. It's, it's supposed to be brown. Yeah. And, and so, so like love bugs, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. it's very unique to hear. Yeah. So if you don't know, so I like to put those little tidbits in there. Like, um, I have to ask you: Does gumbo um, contain okra? It does. It depends because a lot of people uh, okra is kind of like liver. You either love it or you don't. Yeah, it's a little slimy <laughs> for me. There's no in between. So it's usually shrimp and okra gumbo. Oh. Uh, but I think the temperature finally today dipped to 70. Oh, nice. Uh, like 89, and it's the end of October, so that's just really wrong. Yeah. So um, <laughs> Caroline actually made gumbo yesterday. Did she? It was, I was like, oh, my God, I don't know what you did, but this is like the best gumbo you've ever made. It was delicious. Oh. It was uh, shrimp and sausage. You could have like mm. shrimp and sausage. Duck and andouille is a that's a big one now. Mm-hmm. Uh, shrimp and okra. You could have shrimp and crab. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it just depends on your. I personally love okra. Do so you? okay, it's, it's not a. Once you get it in that gumbo, it kind of cooks that sliminess out of it. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, so it's not a. Except it, it thickens like the slime. I guess thickens. The <laughs> that is <laughs> not good to know. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, I mean, it's a good thing because gumbo is not supposed to be watery. Yeah, it's right. A little thick, not to the point, you know, if it's too thick, it's stew. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> it's a, uh, um, but yeah, no, it's like I said, it's one of those things. Uh, like we went on a Viking tour. This was probably, I'm trying to think, it was before the pandemic. Uh-huh. We had taken a trip. And I just, not a, a t- uh, you know, just one of the things that I've never like wanted to do. I have a bucket list. I actually it's on my desk. And okay. I check it, check something off, but I, it's a huge bucket list, and it's I've um, been checking off stuff as fast as I can. And one of the things was um, I that's not on it is a cruise. I just not a cruise person. I mean, some people love cruises. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. 
just but we took a um the people i was going with get seasick so i said well i just don't think that would be fun yeah you're right <laughs> up the whole time so we went to um from prague to paris on a viking cruise and okay. one of those river cruises yes so like for the first three days you're stuck in this boat i mean they do let you out yeah right <laughs> wherever you're going but you're going under all these little like very low bridges so unless you want to decapitate yourself you can't go outside yeah so you're stuck inside and it was it's a very tiny little room and we did have a balcony you know oh that's good that you know yeah it could be but anyway we we're on this cruise and one of the things that people kept telling me is like oh my god you know you're gonna love the food and i was like oh great i can't wait and then we got on the boat people came back and was like well how was the food and it was like well you know <laughs> <laughs> it was all right. it was not uh <laughs> I, I you know it would take a lot to we're from new orleans yeah so. yeah 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 you know everyone talks about the food on cruises i have not been on a cruise it, it's just not something i don't think i would like we have talked about doing a riverboat cruise but mm -hmm. i don't i just or, or an alaskan cruise that's about the only thing i think i we would do but uh yeah everyone talks about the food and how great it is so it's it, it's interesting that you know you're you're like eh, it's just okay um, is that right yeah <laughs> so that that must speak highly about like where e either someone cooks really well for you um <laughs> or uh you know so you, you're gonna pick somebody pick somebody who's a great cook yeah <laughs> it's like a good old cajun girl is a, definitely a big plus <laughs> yeah yeah how about that how about that that's yeah, awesome yes i mean she grew up my channel's father actually was an oyster fisherman oh really that's what he did and um so she grew up eating raw oysters which is something else no <laughs> I love them char grilled and I love them, you know, fried and, mm. and stews. And the, there's a place called uh, Mosca's and they make oysters Mosca. And that, that's actually very good. Okay. But in a shell. Yes. Yes. You don't uh, like that, huh? No. Uh, there's a, a I think it has to do, it's kind of like liver. It's like, you know, when liver, you cook in liver, it smells delicious because it's beef. Let's give, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but. It's just the texture. There's something about it. You know, yeah. it's like we just went to Japan mm -hmm. um, in June. Mm -hmm. And people were like, how is Japan? And it's like, it's a beautiful place that just, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> a lot of raw things. Yeah. Like, and yeah. I, I, I like sashimi as much as the next person. But, you know, raw shrimp. I'm from South yeah. Louisiana. Yeah, That's yeah. <laughs> that that is just unheard of. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. You know, I, I think that you know you grow up with a certain cuisine, and it is a little difficult to go somewhere and eat bugs. You know. Yeah. No, it was just not a. Mm -mm. Yeah. No, I think it was by day twelve. You know, because uh, we went on a tour. There's certain places I, you know, I'd rather go on a tour because that way you get to see a lot of stuff. And and I have people sit there and tell me about it. So, yeah yeah like everything in the museum yep but um no we went and it was like i think it was like day 12 and i forget where we were but uh like kyoto maybe and 
they were like, well, today you're on your own for lunch. And then so the group we were with were like, we're, well, what are we doing for lunch? She's like, I don't know about y'all, but I'm going to McDonald's. <laughs> I don't eat McDonald's in the United States. Oh, my God, that's funny. <laughs> and it was, but you know, the funny part of, of it was, though, like here, you're driving on the highway as the love bugs are hitting your car. And you see an advertisement uh -huh. through the slime on your window, <laughs> and it's a Big Mac. Yeah, and it looks perfect. Oh, I yeah. mean, it's, I mean, it's perfect. Mm -hmm. And then you go to McDonald's. Yeah, and you hear the Big Mac, and it's not perfect. No, no, it never <laughs> it is. Nothing like the picture. Yeah, but we ordered there, and so they said, "Oh, well, just go sit down, and we'll bring it to you. You bring your order to you. You get a number." And so we went and there's a baby grand piano in the middle of McDonald's. So that what? was the first clue that it's not like the McDonald's here. How about that? Yeah. So I was like, as so I was, you know, our group, I was like, okay, before y'all bite into this burger, just look at it. And it was perfect. No way. Don't eat this burger. It could go for a photo shoot. <laughs> A commercial because it was perfect. How about that? Like really perfect. That's it, it was funny. Really, yeah, and it was one of the best meals I had. Oh my goodness! Yeah, no, it was really, really good. You know, that's funny that you should say that because my uh, hi, my nephew who's in high school, he's a senior in high school. I was just listening to he and his buddies were having a conversation about McDonald's, uh, uh, Big Macs. And they were saying that how they've changed, like these kids, you know, they're 17. They're like, oh, they've changed so much since they used to, like, you know, when we were kids. And, <laughs> you know, but even even that, that like these kids notice, you know, the difference that they're not the same as they used to be. Um, yeah, that's, when, that's when they got rid of all the trans fat. It's kind of like, gluten. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what hell gluten is, but I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me taste good. <laughs> yeah, 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 it does. It absolutely does. So it's like, I mean, if you were 18 or 17 or 15 when I was growing up, those McDonald's French fries. Oh, yeah. Dreamed about those. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you would go to McDonald's just for the fries, you know? Just for the fries. Yep. That and the little, remember the little spoon for the coffee? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're using it for cocaine. <laughs> yep. I, I, <laughs> I yep. like that. I kept one of those. Oh, Not yeah. that I broke, I just. <laughs> I, I bet you there is a McDonald's somewhere who still has those little spoons. <laughs> I, I'll bet you. <laughs> yeah. No, like I said, we had a great time in Japan. Good. We walked, I think from the 1st to the 16th, we walked like 80 miles. Wow, wow, wow. Like, I think this is the first trip we're ever going to take where we actually lose weight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's unusual, right? Yeah, no, it was just not, um, uh, yeah, no. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the, the funny thing, now that I think about it, because, I mean, we traversed Japan. We got on the bullet train. We went through oh, cool. all this stuff. They took us to the seaside and all the towns and everything and it's like they're really famous for the their wagyu state and it's like where the hell are all these cows <laughs> we were there for like a couple weeks yeah. or more than a couple weeks never saw a cow what <laughs> yeah they said oh no 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 they keep those inside <laughs> they keep it's the like, cows inside that's interesting yeah about that i live I out in farm country and there are cows all over and 
uh, like sometimes they're running down the road and people are posting on like social media, hey, my cow's loose. Can you, you know, be on the lookout for, you know, Effie? <laughs> I'm no, serious. Not one, not one cow. Wow. Saw like some sheep and an occasional dog. Oh, my but goodness. No, not one cow. How about that? They said, oh, no, no, they keep them inside. I think they eat like a high cal caloric diet mm -hmm. and they feed them beer and they massage them every day. That's why the meat's so good. <laughs> it's very spoiled cows in the short span that they're alive. But oh, my goodness. Not, um, it was just really fun, kind of a fascinating place. Yeah. It's not, um, yeah. It's yeah, not New Orleans, huh? No, it's not at all. If you're gonna move there, make sure you look good in black and white because <laughs> everything's black and white, huh? Well, it's like they call them um, company men. Oh yeah, which now encompasses women too. It's just a term, yeah. but they're all you know rushing off to work somewhere, and they're all like really nice, mm -hmm. nice people. You know, if you're lost somewhere, they'll give you directions. And highly smart, you know, a lot of the people that we talk to, they speak like two or three different languages Wow! and very uh, proud of their home, which they should be. I mean, it's a beautiful place, but um, everybody's dressed in black and white. It was very interesting. That is, that's wild. As you speak to them, no one talks. It's Wow. So we were really out of place. <laughs> very unlike the United States, right? Where everyone will give you their opinion, whether you ask for exactly. it or not. Whether you want it or not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I like the, we took a lot of Ubers while we were there. You know, we had like free time. Yeah. And it's, I love talking to the Ubers. And the, um, but yeah, no, they, they, cause they meet people from all over the world. And, um, but yeah, no, I would go back in an instant because mm -hmm. it was really, really kind of fascinating. Oh, that's cool. But um, yeah, no, it was just, like I said, just bring snacks. <laughs> so, so Allie, I'm I'm hearing you were this year, right? You were at uh, Golden Crown. Um, mm -hmm. You were um, at Women's Week up in P Town. You were in Japan. Uh, were you anywhere else? I'm trying to think if we've taken any other trips this year. Um, Japan was our big one. Mm -hmm. We're actually in a couple, three weeks. We're leaving to go to Iceland. Oh, awesome. Not for very long, um, but the uh, the Aurora Borealis is on my uh, Yeah, book. cool, cool, cool. You have yeah, to post. It's like the, one of the best years to see it. So yeah, post some yeah. pictures. I definitely will. No, that is one that I'm really looking forward to. Um, so, I so talked to a couple of people at, at P-Town, and they said they had just been. They did the big, there's a big ring around Iceland. It's a road that you can take. And it's, uh, they did it this summer, oh. you know, it's land of ice and fire. There's a lot of volcanoes there and stuff, a lot of waterfalls, so cool. that kind of thing. So we're only going to be there like six days That's... and then we're going to New York ahead of time to see, we're going to be there for Thanksgiving. Okay, nice. See me on the street, stop and tell you. All right. All right. Maybe I'll see you at the parade. <laughs> <laughs> so you, um, in addition to all these trips, you have managed to publish three books this year. And you have The Devil You Know is coming out. I'm assuming that's all written, maybe in editing. Yeah, that one's in edits okay. right now. And, and then, then you have uh, 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 Moments to Treasure, 
about twenty five thousand words into that one. So that one, um, how, where, where do you? How do you get all this time? What do you do? And you work. <laughs> I do work. Now I sit like on the weekends. I try to write at least an hour or two a day. Really? So I'll spend like I'll you know some. Uh, I'll get up in the morning early, and I'll try to get in some words. And then at lunchtime, I do the same thing. And then if I'm watching TV, I can multitask. I did it, you know, all through high school. I would do my homework and watch TV at the same time. So, yeah. and then I love to cut grass. <laughs> so uh-huh. my uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's cut grass. So when I'm on the lawnmower, I actually, I sit and I think about, like, kind of run through where I am, that kind of thing. So it's a, it's a process. But like I said, I guess it would be easier if I planned books. Um, the only book that's ever come to me with a beginning, a middle, and an end, I just had, I, I wrote it in about a month, it was actually Carly Sound. It was the only one oh. that's ever come like that. And then the rest, it's, um, I usually don't ever end up where I think I'm going to end up. Yeah. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. No, no. They all have great but, endings. Uh, yeah, no, the, the characters sometimes, they take their own path. I just, you know, me and my fountain pen are just there to tell their story. <laughs> so so where, where can our listeners find all your books? The um, If you're looking for Audible books or, uh, you know, where you want to listen to them, because I, I did meet a couple um, from Mrs. Alabama this year, and um, she had had... Um, a brain injury so she said she you know can't read as much anymore so all of the books now are all on audible okay. so if you look up uh Allie and you look up any book um you'll find it on audible so you can listen to it and then um amazon has all the books as does barnes and noble and but the easiest place to find them actually is on uh bullstrokes website okay. so it's you know www.bullstrokesbooks.com Okay. All right. Awesome. So um, we will be looking for uh, listeners. Um, it is coming out this week. Rivals for Love comes out November 1st. Um, this past, I think it was uh, maybe May or June or something. Uh, Never Kiss a Cowgirl came out. So that is another new publication by Alley Valley. Um and then she also had this short story called On the Rocks. And we may be seeing more of those characters. So you should check that out. Um, but uh, yeah, you can and you can find those uh, um, at Bold Strokes Books uh, or Barnes and Noble or wherever you, you purchase your books. It sounds like. So. No, yeah, if you want to learn about cows that, that never kiss a cowgirl, it's a good place. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so Allie, do you have any parting words for our listeners today? No, I just want to thank everybody. Like I said, it's, you know, the pandemic really kind of put a quietus on us getting together and having readings and stuff. So it was really wonderful to see a lot of the um the old and meet the new faces that we saw in P Town this year. Um, you know, these women were very excited about um just books in general, they wanted to chat and, you know, they just, like I said, if you sit and you listen to somebody's story, sometimes you never know, it might end up in a book. So I just wanted to thank everybody. It's been nice to get back into the groove of 
not just writing, but to to see the other end of it that once, you know, somebody's read the book and they enjoyed it and they want to talk to you about it. Nice. I always enjoy that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Really nice. So, um, Allie, how could, uh, if our listeners wanted to contact you, uh, would they go through Bold Strokes books? Or- yeah, actually, if you look at my, um, the page that I have on, you'll find my email address. So, and I answer all of my emails. So. Oh, Nice. It take me a while, but, but you'll get there. But I, I will send you an answer. You are you busy. Question. You're a busy person. Or if you know, if you look me up on Bolstro, I mean on uh, Facebook, um, I'm trying to get into all these other uh, social media things. But I do have a job. <laughs> it's hard to keep up with all that. But a lot of people DM me, and I, I answer those as well. Awesome. Uh, you know, questions about books or just when something's coming out. Um, or just, you know, random questions about New Orleans because they're coming to visit New Orleans. I'm always happy to answer those. Oh, that's wonderful. That's so nice of you, too. So, uh, Allie, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, that's, that's all the time we have. And um, I'm Anita Kelly. And thanks for joining Liz. Talk about books, baby. So until next time, may your journey be lighthearted. Peace be plenty and be safe, folks.